I had mentioned that I am the director of student ministries here. And one of the most awesome parts about my job is that all summer I get to travel all over the country and go on all sorts of wild and fun trips. And just a couple weeks ago, I found myself in Moab, Utah, which may not sound like the best place in the world, but it's actually quite beautiful. And we take 150 students out there on a, on a camp called Summit. And we spend the week talking about God and small groups, learning and going on really fun adventures. And the last day of Summit, we get up at a stupid hour. We wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And we load these buses and we head to this place called the Delicate Arch. We've been taking this hike year after year and our hope is to get there by the time the sun rises so that we can watch this beautiful scenery that God has made for us. So I've never been on this hike. I don't really know what to expect. And all I'd ever heard was that this hike is really easy. It's a a piece of cake. And so I didn't really prepare myself for much. And so as my friend Lexi and I are, are on the back of at back end of this hike, we're, we're just chatting and we're processing and having a great conversation at 5.30 in the morning about life and deep things. And it's getting really hot. Moab is in the desert, and so I'm starting to sweat. And I look at Lexi, and I'm like, Lexi, this hike is really hard. And she looks at me and she says, Lee, I swear this is not the way that we normally go. <laughs> Good, I can see that you can see where this is going. And so as we continue, the the hike's getting harder and harder. And as as we carry on this path, the path starts to get narrower and narrower and narrower. And as it did, my heart started to beat faster and faster and faster. Now, two things I need you to know before I go any farther. Number one, I am deathly afraid of heights. I hate heights. And number two, most people like to exaggerate because it does make a good story. And I'd love to tell you that I'm going to start to exaggerate, but everything I'm about to tell you is completely true. <laughs> As we're walking along this path and my, my heart's starting to beat faster, I start to not be able to breathe. And, and I literally am walking like this and, and I start to turn and, and, you know, do this type of a deal. And in no time at all, I had completely flipped around and clung myself to this wall in a death grip. I closed my eyes and I literally begged God to spare my life. I looked at Lexi and I'm like, Lexi, we're going to die. And like all good friends, Lexi looks at me and she starts belly laughing. Worst friend ever. And as we continue on this hike and got off this godforsaken path, which I think we have a picture of, don't we? Don't tell me that that's safe to walk across. And don't tell me that I shouldn't have been afraid to do that. And as we got off this path, I literally found the widest place that I could, the safest place that I could, and I sat down. And I would not move for the whole rest of the morning. I did not go with them to the delicate arch. I literally sat there and waited for them to come back. I was so afraid. I literally could not move, and I was blinded by my fear. And you know, as afraid as I was in that moment, I don't often experience ex- uh, experiences like that. Like physical places that I find myself in where I'm that afraid. And I, and I would bet that you don't find yourself in those places often. But what I do experience, and what I would be willing to bet that we experience, we experience all kinds of other fears on a daily basis that leave us just as paralyzed similarly anxious and just as blinded. 
You know, we, we cop out on having real and challenging conversations because we're afraid of what someone might think of us and how they're going to react. We don't enter in and, and actually show our real selves to be vulnerable because we're afraid we're going to get rejected. We don't enter in with people because we're afraid that we're not qualified or talented or wanted. We give up on trying because we're afraid that we're going to fail again. And perhaps the most tragic, we, we don't draw near to God because we're afraid that we're unworthy. I was with my nephews who are five yesterday and I asked them what they're afraid of. And, and Sam looked at me and he goes, bloody eyeballs. <laughs> and I thought, yes, who isn't afraid of bloody eyeballs? <laughs> but here's the problem. Here's my problem. And here's our problem. We fear the wrong things. And these things keep us from becoming fully who God created us to be. Our fears that are right in front of our face keep us, as Christians and as followers of Christ, from fully who God created us to be. And we rob ourselves and we rob God of his glory and we rob other people of who God intended for us to be. And I'm tired of being afraid, aren't you? A couple weeks ago, I talked about the pursuit of wisdom. And I talked about how how we're called to call out for it and cry aloud and, and look for it and search for it. And I talked about how the pursuit of wisdom has to start with humility. But so many of us don't have a chance to become humble because we're so afraid to fail that we never step out in faith. I talked about how the pursuit of wisdom has to engage both your heart and your mind. And that involves seeing the world differently and changing the way that we think. And I talked about how the pursuit of wisdom takes time and produces obedience. But so rarely do we move our feet in faith because we're afraid that we might fail. And if you'd turn with me to page 946, I'd love to conclude the message I began a few weeks ago. And after we're urged to pursue wisdom... After we're urged to call out and search and give it all that we've got. This is what the text says. After you engage in this pursuit, the text says that you will understand the fear of the Lord. And you'll find the knowledge of God. That, that, we, will, that we will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. You know, the Psalms and the Proverbs both say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's interesting to me that the most common commandment in the Bible, what is it? Who knows it? Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the most common commandment you're going to find in all throughout the scriptures. And yet, we're called to fear the Lord. But what happens is that we place the fear that we know and we place the fear that we experience and we attach it to the idea of fearing God. And the problem is they're very different things and they're very different fears. And the fears that we experience are not the fears that God desires that we would experience. And so here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to talk a little bit about the fears that we experience and the fears that God desires and why that matters. And as I processed and studied and had conversations, I I asked a ton of people what they were afraid of. 
And it was interesting that, that I could trace back most of these fears, almost all of these fears that I heard, trace the root of these fears back to two kind of big buckets. And the first big bucket is this, that we are afraid of punishment and judgment. We're afraid that we're going to be punished and we're afraid that we're going to be judged. In the letter to the Romans, Paul says, the Apostle Paul, he says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. What a beautiful thing to know, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to be afraid of fear and punishment. You know, I shared with you that I had a horrible failure in the sales world a few weeks ago. And after that, a very kind man by the name of David Luther allowed me to come and sell cars for him. And so I was a used car salesman for an entire year. And it was awful and it was awesome, all in the same breath. And I worked at his flagship store, his number one store. This was a very successful store that sold a lot of cars and did a lot of volume, very high energy. But the general sales manager had a rather unfortunate style of leadership. He humiliated people in public on a regular basis. He cut us down. He'd fly off the handle at the smallest mistake. And so people would come to work and they were afraid. They were petrified that they were going to yell at, embarrassed, that, uh, that they were going to be judged and punished by this dictator of a leader. And I had had enough. And so I sat down with them and I, uh, I said, we'll call him Bob. I said, I said, Bob, this store is really good. Like, you're the most successful store in the whole company out of 28 dealerships, but you could be great. Imagine if we weren't afraid to come here. Imagine if we weren't afraid to to try something new and, and, and create new ideas and perhaps take the store even to the next level. If we were excited to be here and we respected you, imagine how great we could be if we weren't afraid of being punished or judged by you. And I didn't lose my job after that conversation, praise the Lord. But I, 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 I want to be in an environment, and, I, and God wants us to respond out of love and, and out of admiration and awe, not out of fear of punishment and judgment. Uh, a commentator, John Parsons, who writes for a group called Hebrew for Christians, he says this. He says, the fear of God's punishment may deter us from sin in the short run, but by itself it's insufficient for spiritual life, since it is based on an incomplete idea about God. It sees God in terms of the attributes of justice, but it overlooks God as the compassionate Savior. It's an incomplete picture about God, and if we, if we fear God and we only live our lives as Christians because we're afraid of his punishment and his judgment, it's only going to last for so long because it's an incomplete idea about God. I was in a Bible study a few years ago and we were studying Paul's letters. This guy named Paul, he wrote a lot of books in the New Testament. He wrote a ton of them. He wrote letters to the Corinthians and Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, book after book, letter after letter, Paul wrote. And it was so interesting that he begins all of those letters I just named in in the same way. He begins them all in in a very similar way. and, and, And he says this, he says, May grace and peace be with you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. From our Lord Jesus Christ, almost every single one of his letters, he begins that way. But then we flip to a a book called Titus, a very small, seemingly obscure book in the New Testament. And the book is all about doing good works and doing stuff for God and responding to God and and being kingdom bringers in this world. And Paul starts that letter like this. 
He says, may grace and peace be to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Those two words carry such different connotations, don't they? And it's not about choosing one or the other. It's about accurately seeing both. And it's interesting to me that 257 times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses the word Lord to describe Jesus. And in a very small letter, a very short letter, he uses the word Savior six times out of 12 in the entire New Testament. And the entire book is about doing good works for God. God wants us to respond and to move forward and not be afraid of his punishment and judgment, but he wants us to respond in awe of a loving, amazing Savior. Second big bucket, fear of not having what it takes or being rejected. Fear of not being good enough. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, with the, our coordinating team. It's what we call uh, the group of the department heads at CPC, and we regularly meet together, and we were doing a devotion together. And uh, one of the men on staff asked us this question. He said, what would you do if you weren't afraid? What, what are you most afraid of? What are the things that you're most afraid of, your deepest fears? And as I sat around the room with some of the most godly men and women that I know, that I respect, that have, that have lived their lives for Jesus and have left legacies of faith and done incredible things. They shared their fears and heard them say things like, I'm afraid I'm not relevant anymore. I'm afraid I'm going to be found out that I'm, that I'm really a phony. I'm afraid that I'm, that I'm not good enough. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. And, I, and I'm looking around the room and I almost can't believe these things I'm hearing. Because that's not how I see these people. And it's not how I've experienced these people. And I think about some of the questions that I ask myself. And perhaps you ask yourself. I I can't really tell them how much that hurt me. Because I'm afraid how they're going to respond. Or I, I can't stand up and share my faith right now. Because what if they won't be my friend anymore? Or if I share my marriage problems... With my, with my small group and my community, is my reputation going to be tarnished? Or if I give my best to God and I fail, is he still going to love me? I think we pass on countless opportunities to engage and to live our lives sold out for Jesus because we're afraid that, we, that we're going to be rejected. We're afraid that, that we don't have what it takes. We're afraid that, that we're not good enough. We're afraid we're going to fail. And you know, as I think about these questions that I ask myself, and I think about the fears that my friends shared, I I get angry. And you know what? I think they're crap. And if I wasn't afraid to lose my job, I'd use a different word. Because Satan would love nothing more than for us to actually believe these lies and to keep us paralyzed and blinded and anxious because of our fears. God's word says that that his grace is sufficient for us because his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And I want to know God's power in my weakness. And I don't want to be afraid anymore of being judged or not being good enough or not having what it takes. The fear that God desires. The fear that God desires that we would know is a totally different type of fear. And it's this beautiful word. It's yurah in the Hebrew scriptures. 
The fear of the Lord that this text talks about and the fear that God desires that we would know is this Hebrew word, Yurah. It's Y-I-R apostrophe A-H, Yurah. And this word, Yurah, has a totally different connotation than the fear that we know and that we experience and the fear that we live in. It's this idea of uh, a fear out of respect and reverence and piety. The same commentator, John Parsons, he talks about this word and he, he, he says, Yurah includes this idea of wonder and amazement. And mystery, astonishment, gratitude, and admiration. Like when you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon. The fear of God includes an overwhelming sense of glory and worth and beauty of the one true God. I hope that that you've had these moments in your life where, where you stand at the base of a mountain. Or you stand on the edge of the ocean or you look across and, and... And you see someone that you love and that you care for deeply and you just say, God, you're awesome. And you're compelled to move out of that admiration and respect. That's the idea here. That's the idea of the fear that God desires that we would experience and that we would know and that we would operate out of. You know, I'd mentioned on that hike that I was literally blinded by my fears. And last week I talked about how pursuing wisdom involves our, our hearts and our minds. And that, and that takes seeing things differently. And it's interesting to me that as I was studying, a lot of Hebrew, Hebrew scholars relate this idea of fear of the Lord, that word yirah, to another Hebrew word for seeing. And they talk about how, how to understand the fear of the Lord, we need to begin to see things differently. Brooke talked about how God comes to us disguised as our life. And as we begin to shift our sight and see things differently, we'll see God in all things. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Moses. And I love this story about Moses' encounter with God. And and God appears to Moses in, in a burning bush. And he says, Moses, take off your shoes. Because you're standing on holy ground. Now, yes, the bush was aflame, but but the ground didn't change. Moses' surroundings didn't change. But Moses, in that moment, began to see his world in a totally different way. And it changed the way that he lived. And you might notice that I'm not wearing any shoes. And I was so afraid of what you might think as I had this thought about not wearing shoes that I had to not wear shoes. But the reason that I'm not is that when you're not here... When the sanctuary is not filled with people, I'll come down here on Tuesday morning or Wednesday afternoon and I'll take off my shoes at the door. And I'll come in here and I'll sit. And I'll just be with God because I want to see differently. And I want to be so captivated with awe and respect and wonder and amazement by God's love and his grace. And I want it to change my life. And I want it to change the way that I see things. And I want it to change the way that I lead. And love you guys and your kids and your families. I want it to change the way that I see. Because here's the deal. We can't respond to something if we don't see it. We can't respond to something that we don't see or that we haven't experienced. And here's why it matters. Here's why it matters so much to understand the difference between these two types of fears. Because I so often, and you so often, abandon your hopes and your dreams because you're afraid. We abandon our hopes and our dreams because we're afraid. 
I sent out an email to, to some of my best friends, men that have walked with Jesus longer than I've been alive, men that love Jesus passionately. And I said, I asked them this question. I said, if you weren't afraid, if fear weren't holding you back, what are the things that you would do? And I wanted to share with you their list. These are the types of things that, that my friends would do if they weren't afraid. They said, I would, I would pray for bigger things. I would be more confident and secure in who God has made me around other people. I would invite those on the outskirts of society into my circle and I would love them like Jesus does. I would trust God for big things. One of my friends said he would run the Grand Canyon on September 15th and try to raise $50,000 so that 50 Ethiopian women could escape a horrendous life of sex trafficking. And my list, I would call out life in other people and invite them to be more like Jesus. I would give myself away more freely. And I would talk about Jesus more. And that's why it matters. To understand the difference in our fears and God's fear. Because when we're not afraid of the things that are right in front of our face and we accurately see God and we're captivated by his awe and his wonder and that's our propelling force, that these are the types of things that we do. That we live lives worthy of the calling of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're the types of people that we talk about being. And we're the types of people that we want to be. And we're the types of people that we pray about being. And that's why it matters. That's why it matters. I had mentioned a couple weeks ago that the pursuit of wisdom actually produces obedience. And it causes us to move our feet and to do stuff. Just last week I told my staff team that I want to trust God this year to the point that it's irresponsible. And I don't want to be reckless, but I I want to trust God for big things. And I don't want to be afraid of of not doing things and so carefully calculated that that I end up doing nothing. I want to trust God to the point this year that it's irresponsible. And I want you to also. At times in our lives, you know, I think we are going to take those giant steps of faith where we do crazy stuff like my friend is doing. On September 15th, Steve Weens is running the Grand Canyon and he is raising $50,000 so he can free 50 women from a horrendous life of sex trafficking. And sometimes God will call us to those adventures and those are awesome. But I think so often our fears are more often faced in small daily decisions that we make. Choosing to say I love you first. Choosing to actually stop on the street and care for the homeless person that you walk by every day. Choosing to invite that other person to the lunch table because you're not going to be afraid of what your other friends think anymore. Our fears are so often faced in those small daily decisions and when we, when we step out in faith and we see God's provision and his faithfulness, we see him as bigger. And the cycle begins a response of awesome gratitude and we become more like Christ. I want to leave you with this. There's a book going around that's particularly, uh, particularly inspiring in the Christian community. It's called Love Does by a man named Bob Goff. And a friend of mine asked me, he said, Lee, why is this book captivating so many people? And as I thought about it, it's because this book is filled with story after story after story of an everyday average guy that lives a life just like you and me that says yes to God. And chooses in the moment not to be afraid of of what the norm is or what the world says, but to say yes to God. And God has done crazy, silly, outrageous, stupid stuff in this guy's life. And he is changing the world for Jesus. And that's why this book is so inspiring. 
and has moved so many of us to read it and get excited about it. And in this book, he, he writes a chapter about this cartoon movie called The Incredibles. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's this movie about this family of superheroes. And underneath his everyday outfit, he sees an insurance salesman. And he goes to work and he wears his superhero costume underneath this outfit. And at any particular moment, he's prepared to be awesome. And to do awesome stuff. And to not be afraid, but to step out and be awesome. And I loved that chapter, and Bob concluded it, and he said, I want to be awesome, and I want you to be awesome too. And so a couple weeks ago, I wrote be awesome on my hand. Because I want to. I want that to be my, uh, my, my, daily, my daily mantra. I just want to be awesome. And not about me, but I want, to, I want to do awesome stuff. And I want to step out in faith because I don't want to be afraid. And so I want, I want you to do two things this week. First thing. I want you to ask God to transform your fears into his. I want you to ask God to transform your fear into his yurah. You can do that by opening up the word. Read a story about the radical love that Jesus provided. Talk to God. Ask him. Live out a talent that God has blessed you with that makes you come alive and respond to God's awesomeness. Second thing I want you to do, I want you to be awesome. Maybe some of you, you, you can tackle that for a whole week. Say, I'm, I'm going to choose this week to not live in fear. And maybe for some of you, that's going to be a day. And maybe for some of you, that's going to be an hour or a minute. But whatever that is for you, I want you to be awesome this week. Because we don't have to be afraid. Amen.